What a comfort, huh? That when we can't hold on any longer, he holds us fast. And even when we're trying to hold on, he's the one that's holding on to us. Will you turn with me to uh, John chapter 18? We are entering into the final section of uh, the Gospel of John, of the, the record of the, the life and ministry of Jesus. We have, uh, uh, we began this rather last uh, Christmas, uh, our Advent series was in John 1. And uh, we will be going through the Sunday after Easter in God's providence, uh, talking a lot about the resurrection around our celebration of the resurrection. And so uh, um, hang in there. We are at uh, just a crucial uh, point in terms of uh, what we know of salvation and of what Jesus did for us. And uh, just to remind you, in John 17, we spent uh, several weeks in that looking at this high priestly prayer of Jesus as he prayed for himself, then he prayed for his disciples, and then he prayed for us. And so on the heels of that, we pick up in uh, chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that that he had spoken of those whom you gave me. I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? This is the word of the Lord. 
Let's bow together. Lord, will you teach us now in these next few moments? And we don't just want to know about you. We want to know you better. And so, Lord, will you answer that prayer? We ask for it, not because we deserve it, but in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's, let's get the, the setting here. Uh, back to the first verse, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now, when uh, a group of us went to Israel a few years ago, um, we were in this area, of course, because it's around Jerusalem. Um, But let me describe it a little bit to you. You have have Jerusalem— and you've got the Mount of Olives. And uh, if you go down the Mount of, of Olives, uh, there is a, a garden there. And now there's a huge cemetery that's been there for I don't know how long, but uh, a very, very large cemetery in that valley. And then there is that, the Brook Kidron, which is, uh, uh, I guess I'd call it a sometimes brook. Uh, there's water in it uh, sometimes. So what, what's being described here is actually Jesus was over here in Jerusalem. The garden is here, and he kind of walks down across the brook and then to this garden. Verse 2, Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. And by the way, from, of course, from the Mount of Olives and, and uh, even from the garden, you can, you can see uh, Jerusalem very, very well. So whether Ju- Judas knew that he was going to be there uh, or not, we don't know. Uh, it evidently, it was a place where they went often and so, uh, even if Judas didn't know, if Jesus didn't tell him, or they hadn't discussed where they were going later that night when Judas went out to betray him, uh, once he got those that were uh, looking for him together, it would not have been unusual for him to say, well, uh, I can tell you where, where we often went that's not very far from here, uh, over at this uh, Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Verse 3 then, so Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, uh, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. What strikes you about that? Judas really didn't, still didn't get it, did he? He, if he did, if he really understood who, who Jesus was, 
he, he couldn't have brought enough soldiers. It would have been impossible for him to do that. But they came equipped. And his disciples had never shown any inclination toward violence till in just a minute. <laughs> and then Peter. And then Peter pulled out that uh, sword that we, as far as we know from the Gospels, it, it hadn't been used, right? At least not in any kind of a violent act. So let's, let's notice, with that being the background, I want you to, to pull out of this passage who is in control here. You know, the, the soldiers, maybe even Judas, the, the, those who were coming, uh, the officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees. There's plenty of us. We're in charge here. <clears throat> we will take care of this situation. But let's take a look at it. Verse 4. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him. How did he know all that would happen to him? Because that was the plan. It, it was his time. Time and again during his ministry, he said, my time has not yet come. His time had come. He knew exactly what was going to take place. And so, because of that, it says, uh, Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward. So he's, he's not running away. He's not hiding in the dark. Uh, and there were, you know, in, in that garden, there's lots of trees and things like that. It, I'm sure at night it's a very shadowy uh, place and, and would have been at that time. <laughs> as well, but instead he sees them, them coming. He approaches them and says, whom do you seek? Who are you all looking for? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, they didn't just say, you're the one we're looking for. So I don't know if that was, you know, if God kept them from understanding who he was or uh, if it was that dark at that point, that shadowy. But uh, they didn't say, well, you're the one. Come on, uh, we're, we're going to arrest you. So uh, they answered Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I am he. Now let's stop with this. Because uh, there's, there's something that, that needs to be pointed out. Uh, it, this was originally written in Greek. And in the Greek, uh, this, this is a good translation, but, but in the Greek, his aunt, there is no he there. That pronoun is not there. It simply says... I am. 
Now, why is that important? Well, we've talked about this uh, through John. That should cause us to think back to the Old Testament when he was identify him, identifying himself and uh, uh, saying his name is Yahweh, I am that I am. And then we come to the Gospel of John, and in this Gospel, we see him identifying himself uh, uh, with I am statements, I am the bread, I am the light, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection, I am the way. And each of those, each of those point back to his deity. That he is that God that was revealed way back in the Old Testament and salvation is being revealed through him. So uh, here we have him, we're going to see the reaction in a minute. Uh, we have him stand up and say, I am. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. When Jesus said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Catch that in the first reading? Now, one way to read that would be, well, that's kind of vindictive by God, isn't it? Isn't that kind of mean of him to, you know, to, to treat them that way? I think it's just the opposite. I am convinced that what we see here is actually God's mercy on those who were coming to arrest Jesus. Let me explain. Um, do you know what could have happened? Let me just give you one, one example from the Old Testament. Uh, this is back in 2 Kings chapter 11, and I'll just read you um, part of this incident uh, where they were coming to get the prophet Elijah. Some of you know this account already. Here's what it says. Uh, then the king sent to him a captain of 50 men with his 50. He went up to Elijah, who was sitting on the top of a hill, and said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answered the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. They're trying to take, take Elijah in. You know what happened next? Again, the king sent to him another captain of 50 men with his 50, and I won't read you the rest, but the exact same thing happened. Vroom! They're consumed with fire. Have you ever had your, your, um, your grill out back? I think I've described it. You know, the, you lose the eyebrows, everything. Well, they didn't just lose eyebrows. They were gone. Because they were before the holy God. That's what could have happened 
when they came to get. When they came for Christ. When they came for Jesus. Why didn't it happen? Because that was the plan all along. They wouldn't have had a chance if it wasn't the plan. So in the presence of the Christ, here's the other thing about this. I think we are seeing here a glimpse of what will happen when Jesus comes back. Just a little glimpse. Because when Jesus comes back, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. Not just those who believe, but those who thought they didn't believe will fall back for fear of being consumed. And so, verse 7, he asks them again, whom do you seek? Who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I want you to notice his protection. We, we just sang this, this beautiful song, and, and the, the choir anthem was along these as well, about where our security is. It, it, our security ultimately is because he's holding on to us. He's holding us fast And look what happens here. Verse 8, Jesus answered, I told told you that I am he. I told you that I am. So if you seek me, let these men go. Jesus is about to be arrested. He is concerned for his followers. And then we see why. Verse 9, this was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Here again is our assurance of salvation. We are safe because he's not going to lose any that the Father gives to him. Will we always ultimately be protected from bad things in this life? Of course not. As long as we're in this life, there will be tribulation. But take courage, for I, he says, have overcome the world. That's that's our protection. He's not going to lose any that the Father gives to him. Verse 10, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Servant's name was Malchus. Now, telling the servant's name, um, I mean, great. I'm going to be known for all time as the guy, you know, who lost his ear. But here, here's, here's the point. Is it's, it's saying this was a historical thing. This, this happened. This wasn't a a myth. This isn't a parable. It's not a fable. Go talk to Malchus. Look at his ear. 
Now, the other uh, Gospels say that uh, over in Luke, it says Jesus touched his ear and healed him. Ask Malchus. Yeah, my ear was on the ground, but it's there now. Now, Peter cut off his ear. What do you think Peter was aiming for? (laughs) He wasn't that good with the sword. He was wanting to chop him in half, I believe. And he he missed, or the the guy, Malchus ducked, or, or something. Peter was ready to kill to save Jesus. Now, on the one hand, I admire his courage. He saw what was coming. He wanted to um, save his Lord. But on the other hand, he must have assumed, if I don't step up, he's going to be in real trouble. He didn't understand. This was the plan all along. Now let's ask this question. Why would all this take place in a garden? First of all, we need to to always know that nothing that happened in Jesus' life was an accident. What he said, what he taught, where he taught it, where things took place were all a part of God's plan. So, is there any significance to it being in a garden? Let me remind you, there was another prominent garden long before this. It was the Garden of Eden. Now let's, let's compare those. Let's contrast those. You have Adam in the Garden of Eden. You have the second Adam, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane. You have... Adam representing all mankind, all of his posterity that would follow after him uh, according to what he did in the garden. You have Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane representing all those who would believe in him. All those that the Father gave to him. In the first garden, you have Adam talking to Satan. In the second garden, you have Jesus talking to his father. In Eden, Adam fell into failure by sinning against God, and he he swept all mankind with him because he was our representative. Thank God there was another garden. And in that garden, in Gethsemane, Jesus was victorious. He stood firm. He did not fail. 
he accepted the cup that would save his people from their sin that Adam had plunged them into. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ was able to say, of those you gave me, I have lost not one. Not one. Now look at verse 11. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? What cup is that? Well, there are two cups spoken of in the Scripture. And there are a number of verses we could go to, but uh, uh, one of the cups is the cup of salvation. Psalm 116.13, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. But the other cup is the cup of God's wrath. Psalm 11, verse 6 is one place. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. That last one is what's spoken up here. We're told in the other three Gospels that Jesus had previously prayed to his Father that if there be another way, let this cup pass from me. He knew that he was about to drink from the cup of the wrath of God for all of his people, for all time. So Jesus here is saying this arrest must take place so that he could drink that cup of wrath. Two cups. Salvation and God's wrath. Everyone, that includes all of us, everyone, all of mankind, will drink from one of those cups. You will drink of the cup of God's wrath or you will acknowledge by faith that Jesus drank of that cup for you on the cross. And if you do that, if you trust Him alone for your salvation, then you will drink of the cup of salvation. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Oh Lord, help us to be able to say with David, in Christ my cup overflows. because it's the cup of salvation.
We can't begin to grasp that, Lord. But will you sink it deep into our hearts and then help it to be our very life? We pray in Jesus' precious name. And God's people said,